0: It's time for This Week in the Big East. A comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook, and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara.
1: Welcome to This Week in the Big East for 2020. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference as we start our sixth season. I'm John Rook behind a broadcast microphone of some kind for the past 31 years in the Big East Conference with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. And, Kev, it's great to get this thing rolling again, and the games certainly haven't disappointed to start.
2: John, sixth year, 2020, those are some big numbers. <laughs> Very impressive. I'm not ready to comprehend them just yet. Well, the Big East has been pretty <laughs> impressive, too. Uh, I know you have the stats that you're going to hit right here, but the non-conference probably couldn't have unfolded any better. For this league, no. Conference play
1: is underway, as as we know now, for nearly a couple of weeks. We'll get you caught up on that momentarily, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention – the non-conference start for the Big East against the rest of the country. Winning non-league games at an 80% clip, the Big East began this past week with the number 1 RPI in the nation, ahead of the Big 12 and the Big 10. And here's the nugget I like best, however. This is the fifth-best non-conference record for the Big East ever, now in its 41st season. In the previous four seasons, with better out-of-conference winning percentages, the league won two national titles and placed two more teams in the
2: Final Four at year's end. Well, that's a nice track record. Uh, You know, I'm not quite – it's an interesting start because all 10 teams are legit. All 10 teams are where they need to be in the net. All 10 teams look like they have a chance to be in the postseason. I I, I would gather to say that all 10 think that they can be in the NCAA tournament, which there's not many leagues in the country that can say that top to bottom. That said, I don't know if there's a Final Four team, if there's a national championship contender team. I think uh, the next couple months will help – Figure that out for us.
1: Overall strength, maybe not terribly strong at the very top, certainly not weak at the
2: bottom. That's how I kind of characterize the league as it now stands. Well, if the bottom teams, according to the coaches, are St. John's and DePaul, just look at who those two teams have beaten already on the road at Iowa, on the road at Arizona, just to get started. Those are two. If those teams are 9 and 10, they're very impressive. Well, now that the net ranking system is at a full year under its belt and that this year's
1: rankings begin to have a little bit of meaning now, at midweek this week, all 10 Big East teams were ranked in the top 81 out of 353 Division I programs. Eight were ranked in the top 58 in the country, which means, of course, plenty of opportunity exists
2: night in and night out for quality wins, and that's why the Big East stays on top. Well, and how about this? One of the two that's not in the top 58 is currently tied for first. Providence is three and zero. So you know Ed Cooley, the Friar coach, has been pretty outspoken after a really you know difficult non-conference. That the rest of the season, your 18 league games will be quad one or quad two opportunities. Again, I think maybe the Big 12 might be able to say that, but they're the. The Big East is the only conference in the country that can state that. Is that where a 10-team league has an advantage over teams that are leagues that are larger? Yeah, it, it does. The, mathematically, it, it helps. If all 10 or even 9 of your 10 teams are, are strong and are where they need to be at the start of league play in the net, it's just tough to fall backwards.
1: Well, now the conference play is underway. It simply wouldn't be the Big East without some early big-time performances on the floor. So we'll tip it off here with our Big East headlines. As for the headlines this week, let's start with Providence. The experienced players returning from a year ago. The Friars stumbled their way out of the gate with a 7-6 and six non-league mark. But they've turned it on of late with four straight wins, three in conference play, heading into a Friday night showdown at home with six-ranked Butler. Speaking of the Bulldogs, ranked this week at 4th in the net, their number 6 Associated Press poll spot is the highest in school history, with the team out to a 14-1 start. LaValle Jordan's team is doing it largely with an improved defense from a year ago. (laughs) Seton Hall joins Providence at the top of the league standings at 3-0, heading into the weekend following a road win at Xavier, with Butler a half-step back prior to their Friday night date night with the Friars. Two other teams and two other items catching our radar this week. One with the offensive efficiency displayed by Creighton, which may be the best shooting team of the country. And don't fall asleep on perennial contender Villanova with two solid league wins sandwiched around a road loss at Marquette. So, Kevin, you got any thoughts on any of these early storylines? I mean, the topsy-turvy nature of the league with the preseason bottom three, Butler, St. John's, DePaul,
2: all showing real strength. is just been eye-popping. We can go everywhere, but I'll stick with two, John. One you haven't mentioned, Seton Hall. You know, Miles Powell came off a really big-time summer with the Pan Am team, which was made up of Big East players, and then was injured for stretches of the non-conference. He's playing now, and it's not surprised, surprising at all that Seton Hall is uh, 3-0, and off to a great start. The other thing is Villanova. You always have to talk about Villanova at the start of any Big E season. Last year they won the league, yet again, at 13-5. and Well, they already have a loss this year, and usually Villanova doesn't lose, if we remember traditionally. Correct. They get off to great starts in January. How many wins is going to win this league this year? It's so balanced. It, it, anyone who can get to 13 has had a really big-time year. I would agree with that. I think 13's got to be the magic number again this year. Hey, along
1: the way of our trip this season, if you have questions about your team or others you follow, send them to us by hitting us up on Twitter with a hashtag, TWITBE, TWITBE is what we call it. And thanks to our Westwood One affiliate stations for tuning in to check us out. And if you're catching us on SiriusXM, we welcome you to an up-close front porch view of the Big East. And if you do the podcast thing, thanks for listening and downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, our podcast partners again this season. And make sure you leave us a review if you can. We'd certainly appreciate it. You can also listen online, BigEast.com and WestwoodOneSports.com are the addresses. We'll hear from one of the nation's premier guards and scorers. Plus, get the early views from a true college hoop guru and reporter in the season thus far. But leading off, as mentioned earlier, there's just no bottom to this league. Some teams have to be picked for the bottom because there's just no other place to put them. It doesn't mean they have to stay there, however. One of the top surprises leading into 2020 resides in Chicago at DePaul. The Blue Demons head coach, Dave Lato, joins us next.
0: This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends Villanovans who have built a legacy of success both in and out of the classroom bound by tradition, humility and our commitment to each other we are stronger together we are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory, we believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally even when no one is looking we are Villanova and each of us strengthens all of us Big E Spotlight DePaul's Blue
1: Demons have flown under the radar a bit, but the program's renaissance actually began late last season when they made a run right to the college basketball invitational finals. And with the return to the floor of one of the nation's top big men this season, adding to the mix a couple of key transfers, DePaul has already put together a tremendous season resume. Head coach Dave Lato joins us this week at the Big East. Dave, you guys had a great start, 12-1 and one in non-league play, so how do you manage to try to carry that over into league
3: play? Yeah, interesting question there. And I, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is consistency. You, you want to do what you've been doing well and have it carried over the difference. Non league versus Big East play, as you guys know, is the, the intensity level of physicality and, and especially the scouting, you know, changes. And so you got to remain consistent in that. And then the other thing is, is obvious as well is to improve. You know, we're not, and I don't think any team is at this stage of the year where they want to be. And uh, so you got to, you know, pushing project guys to get better both collectively and and individually. And uh, so, you know, everybody's a work in progress. I think we are as well. And and you've got to maintain yourself in this league through the highs and lows that the the season can bring.
2: Dave, uh, year five for you, which is pretty amazing, by the way, in your second tour at DePaul. And it's pretty clear that every year your team has taken the the jump up that, uh, you know, fans would like to see. This year, the expectations all of a sudden, you know, you, you were, picked 10th in the league, which I guess someone has to be picked 10th in this crazy league, but uh, you're no 10th place team just by looking at what you guys did in the non-conference. How can you get your players to believe that they can play with everyone in the league?
3: Well, you know, I I think young young people are are amazed in the fact that they they have self-belief, whether it's real or not, (laughs) uh, to begin with. So, So having them understand uh, that they can be as good as, they, as their potential says so is not, it's not hard at all. Have them understand what it takes to be there is the other challenge, or the challenge, excuse me. So uh, what we try to do is, is you know, control their mindset as best we can uh, and keep it in the moment. And, and if they do, they have a chance to realize what, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And that's the most important thing that I think they have to realize in order to improve is where they're at, uh, what they're good at, you know where, where areas of improvement have to become, whether it's individually a guy going left, going going right, and then collectively on on offensive defense and how you got to move the ball or prevent something from happening on a defensive end. So um, we try to do that as a as a group, as a staff. We meet a lot both collectively and individually to kind of push and prod uh, and, and, and understand where they're at and how best to help them.
2: Dave, take us into your off-season kind of team-building conversations where you go out and you get a transfer from Kansas in Charlie Moore. Uh, did he sit out with you last year?
3: No, no. He he came in uh, this summer after sitting. Uh, excuse me, after playing uh, at, at Kansas, it was one of those transfer situations where we had to file a, a waiver with the NCAA because of a family issue. Um, he, he's from Chicago, obviously. He's got mm-hmm. mom and dad here, and and both of them experienced some some you know, challenges uh, that, that uh, we thought were relevant to, to that appeal. And we had to wait a long time and submit a ton of paperwork, all those kind of things that typically happen. And then they finally granted that waiver. So um, he played with us throughout the summer and when we took a foreign tour for, for a couple of weeks overseas. And so... Not knowing if he was going to be eligible or not was a little bit, you know, disturbing because you didn't know how to build your, your team. Uh, but we were hopeful and optimistic because we thought his case was strong, and, and obviously it's worked out for for him. And it's worked out for us.
1: Paul's Dave Lato joining us this week in the Big East. How has Charlie, in particular, changed the dynamic for you guys on offense? Uh, obviously, he's very much more active out on the floor. He does look to pass first, but he certainly can pop it when he needs to.
3: Yeah, you know, and I think that position is really important for a number of reasons. Just one, you know, when the when the ball is in uh, the point guard's hands, he gets to make a lot of decisions that the coach in the sideline can't, and he does a really good job of, of managing it. Uh, as you said, he can, you know, he can distribute the ball, he leads the league, and... In assists, but he also you know scores at a high level, and so those things uh, have not been afforded to us in the while, and so he brings that to us. and then I think you know that position also requires and, and commands a lot of respect. Uh, he has that with his teammates. He has that with his coaches. And you know, he, his presence is, is something that I think we sorely needed uh, to kind of put some direction, not only in our team, but in our program. And so he's provided that really early on. And I think that's one of the really special things about Charlie is that, you know, without a lot of um, time served in, in the program, he walked right into the offices and in the gym and, and found his place, you know, in the leadership role rather, rather uh, quickly.
2: Well, Coach, just make sure you pair Charlie and Paul Reed up on the road once in a while because, <laughs> boy, that, that, that's that's a one-two punch that the league is, is uh, going to fear. Uh, just a little on, on Paul here. Uh, I, I think he's the most underappreciated player in the country, and, and I, I give your staff an awful lot of credit for finding him a couple of years ago in Orlando, Florida. It seems as if he's taken yet another really big jump in this offseason. He's the best rebounder in the league And his jump shot seems to be much more dependable. How much better is Paul this year than last?
3: Well, you know, I I think uh, he's much better from a physical standpoint as you mentioned and one of the things about him and he came you know as you mentioned from Orlando kind of unheralded and and uh thin he's put on a lot of weight a lot of strength and and the thing I credit him more than anything is his work ethic is, is terrific it's off the charts in terms of his ability to not just be in the gym all the time but being the weight room and you know watching film and all those kind of things so he's really really dedicated to becoming the best player that he can be and it's kind of separated himself from a lot of guys that that you can be around. That want to be good, and he's you know taking all the steps to become much much better. And you know I think our, our staff does a really good job of putting all of our guys, in this case him, in, in a better place to get better on a day to day basis. But you know as you mentioned, he's, he he is uh, from last year, which he you know got most improved player in, in the Big East to mm-hmm. this year. He's, he's more consistent with his jump shot because he works on it. Um, he is a very natural rebounder, so on both ends he seeks out that ball, and I think is able to rebound outside of his area which is a, a big key from a rebounder standpoint and then he's a an elite level finisher around the basket left hand right hand underneath you know euro steps all of those kind of things because of his fluidity uh he, he he gets to places where many guys can't and so as he continues to grow and understand you know from a leadership standpoint what is required of him uh, on a night-to-night basis and i'm, I'm pretty hopeful that he'll just keep getting better and better
1: coach who else on your team uh, somebody maybe that we haven't mentioned yet needs to come up big for you for this team to be as competitive as you expected to be in league play
3: well you know I, I go back to what i said originally with consistency and i think you know the player that comes to mind more than anybody is Jalen coleman lands because he's had some big games for us and we when he has we've won them and, and played very well uh, and then you know there are times, and it's not just him. I think getting our offense in sync has sometimes helped him and sometimes hurt him. Uh, but when he when he because he's such a dangerous scorer and shooter, when when he's on target and he's in rhythm, uh, both on offense and defense, it makes us much much better. Uh, you know, obviously you guys know playing in the backcourt, particularly in this league, is, is instrumental to a team's success. And when he when he plays well, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we'll play really well.
1: That's DePaul head coach Dave Lato. Next up, who's hot? Or more specifically, who has been hot? The players are heating up the play on the floor in this conference, and we'll talk about that next. This week in the Big East.
0: Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health physical and mental health includes but is not limited to education research initiatives and new policies on concussion promoting best practices around cardiac health sexual violence prevention and education mental health resources and training alcohol and other drug abuse prevention guidance on nutrition sleep and performance creating safety guidelines for all ncaa sports support of the american development model to prevent overuse injuries Whew. and that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds visit ncaa.org slash to learn more who's hot Pipkins against Devin Gage. Screen set, they cut to the right. Looks back to the
1: left with a pass from Malik with six to shoot. Malik in front of his bench, steps back, three pointer up. Good!
0: Malik White, wow! Shot clock at five. Bulldogs leading by four. Baldwin pull up three. Good! That was tough. A break out to Powell. Seton Hall going downhill. Powell to the rim, lays it in. And the Hall back up by 17 with 13.15 to go. They're going to set
1: for a three. Here's Malik into the four court right. He finds the L in the right wing. Up high for Reeves. Down to 10 seconds. Here's David Duke with the ball between the circles. Duke works to the right side. Reeves for three. Right side. Got it! <laughs> Got it! Nailed it! Holy moly! Reeves knocks down the three. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Let's start it off with our player of the week. And for this past week, Miles Powell from Seton Hall. uh, He led the uh, Pirates to an unbeaten week, averaging 21 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 3.5 steals per game. You know, we're um, uh, getting set in just a few minutes to talk with Marcus Howard at Marquette, who was last year's Big East Player of the Year. Miles Powell is the preseason favorite for that award this year, either player, Clearly dynamic enough to be considered one of the top guards in the country.
2: Well, you know, Marcus was the Big East Player of the Year last year and was not the preseason Player of the Year picked by the coaches in October. That's very odd, but that speaks to how much respect people around the league have for Miles Powell. Totally deserved. Uh, I think they're the two best guards in the country. Uh, Preseason AP All-Americans, and they have not disappointed. And by the way, Miles is off to a great start. Maybe his best game was on Wednesday night at Xavier. He had 24 more uh, in in a really important win over the Musketeers. You know, the one
1: thing that continually amazes me about both guys is that they're able to get their shots off in the most difficult situations. Neither one is what you would call a big guard. I mean, uh, as we know, Marcus is you know five foot eleven, five foot eleven and a half. Uh, Miles isn't much taller than that. He's probably, I think, he's listed at six one. But at the same time, it doesn't matter who's defending him. They figure out a way to get the shot off, and it's accurate. They have an uncanny knack to score. That's what separates good from great.
2: Well, I think most people would look at them and say, "Wow, they can really shoot the three. So they are very good shooters. But they're scorers. Uh, we saw Marcus. Uh, You know, this week at uh, Marquette and Providence, he had 39 points. I'd say he did most of his damage in the lane, uh, which you know really talks about his creativity as a scorer. And Miles Powell is—he's built like a you know New England Patriot safety. You know, (laughs) really strong upper body, and he can really get to the rim as well. Freshman of the week. You want names to start
1: following uh, newcomers here in the league. Let's start with the Freshman of the Week and Justin Moore from Villanova. Freshman guard averaged 13.5 points, four rebounds in a one-in-one one week for the Wildcats. Here's a guy now that has already won the Freshman of the Week award four times this season. So his name is becoming known not only on the main line but around the league as a guy
2: that can be dependent upon to get your basket when you need it. Well, this is how good Villanova's recruiting class was, the best in the Big East coming into this year. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 6'9", starts, uh, also is off to a really good start, was perceived to be the top Villanova freshman. Well, maybe Justin's been even better. And uh, another top 25 recruit, Brian Antoine, has battled injury all year year long. If they can get him up and running, all three freshmen will be in Jay Wright's rotation. Uh, that bodes well for Villanova's future. How about the Big
1: East honor roll this week? you got some name players on the honor roll. Kamar Baldwin of Butler, 19.5 points uh, in two wins for the Bulldogs. Tyshawn Alexander for Creighton. Talk about another guard. We didn't mention him in the same breath as Miles Powell and, and uh, uh, Marcus Howard, but Tyshawn Alexander's got the ability to score as well like those guys. Averaged 17 points and 5.5 and rebounds uh, for the Blue Jays this past week. Uh, Marcus Howard, and we're going to talk to him in just a bit. He was on the honor roll this week. Uh, 29 points in the win over Villanova, 39 points in the loss to Providence. Speaking of Providence, Luan Pipkins, 15 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 3 assists uh, in a perfect week for the Friars. And Najee Marshall of Xavier, who obviously is a go to guy there for the uh, Musketeers, at 19.5 points and 5 rebounds uh, in a 1 1 week for the, the
2: uh, Musketeers. You know, Marshall is a really intriguing player to me because, you know, on a given night, you don't know who Xavier's best player is going to be. They have so much veteran talent. Marshall, Paul Scruggs, tyreek jones uh quentin gooden really deep team for the musketeers i think marshall needs to be the guy to separate himself and be that maybe first team all-league type talent this year as a senior we'd
1: be remiss if we didn't also mention here jay wright villanova's head coach was named the associate press coach of the decade for the 2010s and why not with a couple of national championships uh, for the villanova wildcats
2: i mean it's jay wright you know i <laughs> i i, I I'm fortunate enough to vote in the AP Top 25, and, uh, you know, we got the email in December, you know, give me the top, you know, game, uh, the top players, the top coaches, the top moments of the decade. Well, I mean, the best game of the decade was was Villanova. How could it not
1: be Villanova, North North Carolina? North Carolina,
2: Chris Jenkins, miracle shot. Yeah. No question. And then you look at, over the course of the entire decade, you know, Villanova won twice without one-and-done superstar players. You know, certainly Mike Krzyzewski's in that mix. I think Brad Stevens, the former Butler coach, certainly should have been in that mix with two final four runs. Uh, But I'm I'm you know, Happy to say that I voted for Jay, and uh, he's certainly deserving. This past week as well, Fox's
1: network coverage of Xavier and St. John's drew 2.3 million viewers. It became the network's most-watched college basketball game ever, doubling the CBS coverage, by the way, of Michigan and Michigan State on at the same time. That's a great step up for the Big East, I would think. That's a remarkable number.
2: Well, it's, uh, Fox and the Big East have had a great relationship now for Seven years, six years. They're actually in year seven of a twelve-year deal this season. And think about everyone knows what FS1 is right now, uh, and I think that six years ago you didn't know what FS1 was. It was born. It was born yeah. really to cover college basketball in the Big East, kind of similar to the ESPN of forty years ago, and uh, good for Fox for putting some of the better Big East games on the big channel, Fox, and. Uh, <laughs> proofs in the pudding. Looks like people are watching.
1: If you're looking for an early candidate for Big East Player of the Year, well let's start with one of the premier dynamic scoring guards in the country. We've already talked about him a little bit today. He was last year's Big East Player of the Year. He's not resting on those laurels. Marquette's Marcus Howard can hit from everywhere and has already topped 30 points six times this season with a high of 51 against Southern Cal. He has one more go-round for the Golden Eagles and he
0: joins us next this week in the big east coming up next the big east focus if you want to make a difference you need to be the difference at marquette university we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever we research study test our theories and practice our faith we are men and women for and with others it's excellence in the classroom in the community in our fields and on the court We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University, be the difference. Big East focus. Howard step back, guard at three, you bet. Eight in a row to begin OT. He's got 47 in the game. Howard step back three again, and again. He drills it. He's got 50. Howard ties his career high with 52 and a new
1: Big East record 53 welcome back to this week in the Big East I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara Marcus Howard at Marquette has picked up right where he left off a year ago averaging nearly 27 points per game in all games this season he leads the Big East and he leads the nation in scoring clearly he's a focal point in team scouting in the
2: Marquette Golden Eagles a very tough guy to stop or even slow down, Kev. John, I, I think I know who's going to buy uh, the limousine for Marcus's uh, graduation day at Marquette. <laughs> His name is Cooley Edward. <laughs> As a sophomore, Marcus had 52 against the Friars. This year, he's, he only played him once, and he had 39. And Cooley thought that the 39-point performance was better than the 52. So that just shows how many different ways that Marcus can put it on you. I wouldn't
1: uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. And it's largely because Marcus got a lot of his points in the paint. Exactly. He had to work harder. Kevin and I visited with Marcus on the road this week, and he tells us he is good with the way things have started off.
4: You know, it's been definitely a, a great start to our season. Um, we've had a couple of hiccups here and there, um, a couple of bumps in the road. But uh, we've learned from those, and I think we've responded every time we've met those and faced some adversity. But um, I think we're still you know, figuring out – who we are as a team and our identity, but um, I think we're really starting to make um, positive steps forward, and you know our team's really starting to come together. So I'm looking forward to whatever else is coming our way.
1: Let's talk then about that identity. What kind of a team do you feel like Marquette has uh, as the week began? Eleven and three. You're back to one and one. Level play in Big East. What is this Marquette team going to be? Do you think?
4: Um, you know, I think we're going to be a team that brings toughness and defense to the game. You know, I think we have to be a team that. Shows it can be consistent, you know, and its execution of a game plan and of, you know, being a defensive team. I think that's one of our strong suits is on the defensive end. So um, just making that a point of emphasis each and every game we go out and play. So um, I think that's something that we as a team really have to take pride in. I think we're starting to take strides and take steps to that.
2: Marcus, that's really what's jumped out at me uh, watching your team. Last year, you could outscore people. Uh, Obviously, you lost the Hauser brothers, two good scorers. This year's team is clearly. Uh, A little more athletic and certainly tougher. And I'm sure that's been drilled into you by uh, Coach Wojo. That's the way he liked to play.
4: We know this is just a man's league. You know, we have a lot of tough teams in this league that, you know, can can beat any team out there in the country. So we know we have to bring it each and every night in terms of our toughness and our competitive spirit. So I think we have a team that really, you know, epitomizes that. And I think we really take pride in that. But that's something we have to do each and every night. It can't just be um, one night or, you know, uh, one one night we pick, but it has to be each and every night. And so, um, I think we're still finding that identity in ourselves, you know, to bring that each and every night. But um, I think what we've shown so far has been, you know, some positive things that we can build off of. And I know as a team, we're definitely going to continue to key in on those things. All right. Before we get you talking about yourself a little bit, tell us about
1: your teammates and who, in particular, you kind of feel like has surprised you, maybe to the positive. And who do you really need to rely upon if not you out on the floor for you guys to be successful?
4: No, I think we have a great group of guys who, you know, can make a lot of things happen. But, you know, Sakar, you know, each and every year he's gotten better and better. And, you know, I think when he is, you know, fully engaged and locked into the game plan, you know, he definitely provides a different dimension to our team. And, you know, he brings so much to the table offensively and defensively. So he's one of those guys, you know, that can kind of do it all and has been really big for us. And I think also to Theo, you know, when he has that same mindset as well, you know, he's definitely a different player and brings a different dimension to our team from the defensive end and he's really kind of just made his his mark known when he's you know fully invested and you know really plays with that junkyard dog mentality you know as you saw last game against Villanova he really set the tone for us so i think when he you know has that mindset going into games you know he's definitely in my opinion one of the best bigs in the country and then, you know, we have a, a group of guys, you know, um, if things aren't going well for me, you know, that can really step up and make plays, you know, Kobe, Sack, um, Greg. And I think Jamal Kane has really surprised me the most out of every, everybody, you know, just with his um, his play and, you know, the impacts he's had coming off the bench, um, you know, his energy. Um, his ability to, you know, play above the rim as well and then get defensive rebounds and offensive rebounds, I think has really been a good thing for our team. But, you know, he's been, he's been a guy who's worked extremely hard in the offseason and this year, and um, every time he gets an opportunity, I think he really makes the most of it. Marcus, how about offensively for yourself? I think
2: you're averaging – you might be leading the country this week and scoring at 26 and change, 20, you know, basically your entire career. But how offensively – are you in different positions asked to do different things this year than in previous years?
4: Um, You know, I think it's kind of a mix. You know, I think my sophomore and junior year were kind of two different takes on where I was offensively. You know, my sophomore year, I was kind of more so off the ball. And then um, last year, I was more so on the ball. But I think this year, I'm kind of getting a mix of the two. And, you know, playing with a guy like Kobe who can, you know, play on the ball and off the ball kind of gives defenses different looks. Um, So I think it's kind of unique to play with a guy like that who can also play both on and off like as as well as I can. So um, it's definitely something that, you know, we're still figuring out. But at the same time, you know, it's good to have a guy like that who can kind of switch things up on the offensive end and kind of take and relieve some pressure off of me and some other players. So, um, you know, it's been kind of a mix of the two two years, I would say, off and on the ball. So it's been, you know, something that I'm used to, but still something I'm still, you know, trying to figure out as, as, as we go along the way. Well, as Kevin
1: just said, uh, Marquette's Marcus Howard joining us here this week in the Big East. You are one of the top one or two scorers in the country. So, what's it like being the marked man
4: every time out? Know that teams are going to throw everything they can at you. Yeah, it's all about, I think, how you prepare. You know, um, going into games, you know, you have to definitely be on edge knowing that teams are really going to be gunning after you, especially on, from a defensive aspect. So, you have to be sure to take whatever the defense gives you and try to, you know, counteract what they throw at you with, you know, making other players better. So, I think I try to, you know, uh, feel the game out and, and be in attack mode. Of course, I want to always be in attack mode, but know if some things aren't working, not to force it and, you know, kind of just let things come to me. But, um, I think my team does a good job of, you know, um, realizing that and kind of just finding ways to kind of get me, uh, immersed in the game. And I think I have to do a better job of getting lost in the game. Um, if I am getting pressured pretty well, you know, I have to try and continue to move off the ball and things like that. But, um, For the most part, I think it's more so just from a mindset standpoint, just continuing to be aggressive. I think that's kind of my strong suit is even when things aren't going to be difficult, just maintaining that aggressiveness throughout the game.
2: Marcus, we're here in the Al McGuire Center on campus, and it's tough not to get a feel for all the great history in this program. Uh, At the end of this year, when you graduate, you'll be atop pretty much every list there is in Marquette offensive production. What does that mean to you as you walk through a building like this and you see Dwayne Wade and Bo Ellis and all these people? (laughs)
4: I mean, it's crazy, you know, to be in a place like this with such a rich and, you know, treasured tradition. You know, uh, I walk around these halls each and every day, and I'm just blessed to be in a place where there's been so many greats before me. And to even be mentioned among them, you know, is definitely just an honor in itself. And, you know, to even be mentioned among so many great names that came before me, like D. Wade, Bo Ellis, like you mentioned, um, it's an an amazing thing, you know. But um, everything I've done hasn't been done alone. You know, I've had so many people along the way help me get to where I want to be and get to where I want to go. So um, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be possible without them, you know, coaches, teammates, um, support staff. So um, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, those are the people who I'm going to be looking to, you know, just to be able to be grat- uh, grateful towards and show my gratitude towards because, you know, they've really helped me, you know, make the most of my time here and make the best use of it. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about your final
1: go-round through the Big East Conference. And obviously, you know a lot of these guys. I'm sure there's a mutual respect on the floor between yourselves and some of the other great players. What is it about the league that you like most? What is it about the league that you're going to miss most once it's
4: all over with? Yeah, you know, I love the fact of the matter is uh, each and every game is, you know, feels like a championship-level game. Um, I, feel like, I feel like no team has a certain edge over one another. I feel that the every game is as competitive as a game you could see around the country. And those are the things I'm going to miss most is just being able to compete at that level each and every night, um, around great players. You know, each and every team has two and three, you know, players that are deserving of all American status, you know? So, I mean, just to be around players and teams like that really help raise the level of your play. So I think just being, being able to be around those teams and players really help make you a better player. And, you know, like you said there definitely is a mutual respect for programs and players around the league so um just to be able to be around those guys and you know be around those teams and play against them are things i'm going to miss most just because as a competitor you love being in those those atmospheres and you know being in different different places playing against great players so i mean it's, it's definitely something i'll miss but you want to smack them in the mouth one last time don't you almost oh, definitely but you know <laughs> um That's the name of the game. So, I mean, whatever happens, happens. But at the end of the day, we're all competing uh, to try and win a championship. So um, it's a lot of fun. Definitely it's a lot of fun. I I have to ask one next year question
2: because people see Marcus Howard play and they say, well, he's got to be a pro. Uh, He's a little small. But when I watch the NBA, I I see a Marcus Howard-type game. When you watch the NBA, what do you think? Because obviously we see so many teams shooting the three uh maybe too many threes in my opinion
4: um I think it's definitely a different game from college you know especially with how much space there is in the NBA game you know how how much um space there is between you know screening and things like that I think shooting as well have you know Curry and Clay Thompson they have really changed the game in terms of you know the distance of shots being taken has really you know changed the game especially with the bigs now that shoot a lot more threes so um I think you know whatever happens um if I'm blessed enough to be in a position to play at that level, you know, um, I think I, I could be successful just because I'm able to create not only for myself, but for others, but also um, being able to get my shot off from that distance. So um, I know, if, I know whatever, whatever happens, whatever's in store, it's going to be, um, it's going to be fun. But at the end of the day, I want to be sure that I'm just leaving my mark here at Marquette finishing on the right note. And then I'll let the rest of that stuff take care of itself.
1: That's Marcus Howard from Marquette. Catch his play at an arena near you or perhaps on the tube on FS1. We get the early season or actually mid-season thoughts on the Big East and the rest of college basketball from noted reporter and broadcaster Andy Katz. Next, this week in the Big East.
0: Coming up next, the National Perspective. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom. Where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves. Where passion meets purpose. Where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. The national perspective. Mosley moves right. Keeps going right on the lane. Try to hand back. Powell stole it away. Uncontested to the other end. And lays it in with a right hand. And the Hall take a 47-29 lead.
1: Welcome back to this week in the Big East. As the league jumps firmly into the fray of conference play, there are certainly some surprises. What's caught the eye of the one and only Andy Katz, who covers college hoops for NCAA.com and Fox Sports, and he joins us. This week in the Big East, handy, we've seen some of these surprises from both sides. What has caught your attention within the league, and maybe even something flying a bit under the radar?
5: Well, first of all, John and Kevin, uh, I did my rankings for the toughest conferences yep. in the country at this point in the season, and I put the Big East number one, slightly ahead of the Big Ten. And the reason is, percentage-wise, one to ten, there are no given, there are no gimmies. You don't know who's going to win on a given night in the Big Ten. For the most part, Northwestern Nebraska this season, even though Nebraska just beat Iowa, you could say, okay, they're two of the worst teams. And yes, they have more teams. But the Big East right now has no bad team. All 10, I think, entered the Big East feeling like they have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, of course, not all 10 will. You know, the number's going to shrink. But to enter January with that hope, that to me was a big surprise and also said that this is Top to bottom, the most balanced, most competitive, and the toughest conference to get
2: through. So, Andy, we, we you know, you follow this forever, and, and there's one conference that you describe that way every January, and then by the time we get to the first week in March, things are just there's, there's blood everywhere. You know, there's a million teams that are nine and nine, eight and ten, eleven and seven. What's the trick to survive a, a league like that and still? be in position when you're a bubble team?
5: Most of the Big East teams did well enough or plucked off, you know, some quality wins in non-conference to where they can afford to get bloody. You know, Providence is probably the one school that has no margin for error because they have the worst non-conference of the 10 teams. But where is Providence right now, as we discussed, heading into a showdown on a Friday night against Butler? They're at top of the league. And I've had this discussion with other people, which, oh, you know, they can get healthy in the Big East. That's true this year. That hasn't always been the case.
2: We had Dave Lato on the show, and Paul Reed might be the best NBA prospect in the whole league. And, Andy, if DePaul is your potential 10th team, it speaks to what we've been talking about so far here.
5: Well, I would say this. I don't think they are the 10th team. Yeah, they were predicted that. I mean, at this juncture, you know, it could end up being St. John's. Uh, that ends up being in the tenth spot, and yet that's a team that just knocked off Arizona, which will compete for the Pac-12 title. Right. So, but they don't have the depth, and and I, my gut is they could end up being the team that finishes that in that spot. You know, Georgetown's all over the map. Um, they're down to essentially seven scholarship players, and there have been moments where they've looked at like that and gotten just absolutely you know, ripped apart, as in New Year's Eve at Providence. And then they bounce back, and they throttle St. John's on Wednesday night. So, you know, they're still hanging around. You know, the one thing I was thinking about off the top when I thought about the toughest league, 1-10, to 10, I actually only kind of feel like there's one team that can get to Atlanta in the Final Four, and that's Seton Hall. Uh, and that doesn't disparage the league, but it just shows the balance. But I, I really only feel like there's one that can actually get to the final
1: four at this stage of the game right now i would agree with you i'm not sure that there might not be another one or two teams that could develop that that trait but based on what we've seen to this point based on the body of work and the personnel that they have and mamu coming back from from his injury and, and, and such I, I would tend to agree with that
2: you know the team that obviously is off to the very very best start is butler and their defense is allowing 54 points a game right I mean, that's going to keep you in every game, especially NCAA tournament games. That said, I think there's a feeling around Indianapolis. They're not quite sold that this Butler team is a top-ten team. But we'll find out through the course of the Big A e season. Yeah, for the sure. one
5: thing I would say on Butler, my concern would be, you know, Kamar Baldwin, as good as he can be, he just hasn't been as consistent as, say, Miles Powell. Yeah. And while, you know, at the end of that St. John's game where he really struggled for the first 30 minutes, And then he had some big shots late to help him, you know, stave off this enormous comeback from St. John. But I just don't know if he's that go-to guy, late game, second round in the NCAA tournament, sweet 16, to get you over the hump.
1: Andy Katz, NCAA.com, Fox Sports, joining us here this week in the Big East. All right, Andy, uh, you've seen the players. You've talked to a lot of the coaches already. Who is someone that has jumped out and surprised you a little bit that has been off the beaten path or maybe off your radar a little before conference play got started?
5: Well, I'm going to see him actually this weekend because I'm doing the creighton Xavier game, and that's Marcus Zagorowski. You know, got basically no pub in the preseason and has had really a career-changing year for the Blue Jays when they really needed a player like that. I mean, Tyshawn Alexander was probably the one player that got most of the pub in the preseason for Creighton. Uh, They've had sort of a you know, sort of all-over-the-map kind of season, like Providence, like Georgetown. But they're still a player for potentially getting a bid, and I think he has been one of the bigger surprises, at least nationally, uh, in terms of the way he's played.
2: How about he's from Hamilton, Massachusetts, Zegarowski, you know, up and down uh, the East Coast. There's an awful lot of really good basketball programs, and hats off to Creighton to come in and, and grab him and take him all the way out to Omaha, Nebraska. That's called good recruiting.
5: Now, both of you know Providence pretty well. I'm curious your thoughts on the way they flipped the script on this season because it looked like it was heading south pretty quickly uh, heading into that Texas game in late December.
2: Yeah, I would say that their inconsistent point guard play in the first five or six uh, weeks of the season, they brought in a grad transfer, Lewan Pipkins, from UMass, and it didn't fit. And I think he's slowly adjusting. Ed Cooley is doing a good job with Mixing him and David Duke and Malik White has played very well in the Big East season. Uh, so I, I think it's a different-looking team because of their backcourt right now. We'll see how it holds up.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, they, they could end up having one of the more intriguing resumes, you know, come selection week, if they can at least. No one's expecting them to run the table in the Big East, but if they can stay in that top four and, and get some of these more quality wins, I think mean, the win, obviously, at Marquette will go a long way. They may be the only team that wins at Marquette. And, you know, so anytime you can get a road win like that. But then you can't totally erase, you know, sort of their disastrous uh, non conference, especially like what what happened out in, in Anaheim.
1: That's the NCAA's and Fox Sports analyst Andy Katz. Who's got next? The big games coming up. The major matchups on the horizon to jump into next. This
0: week in the Big East. Coming up. Who's got next? This week in the Big East.
5: As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it.
0: Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Baldwin slides went over to David. Three to shoot. McDermott in the corner. Ring it up! Oh, yes. Why not?
1: John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. Schedule for this week is full of intrigue. Following Butler at Providence for the Friday night special, Marquette goes to Seton Hall for a Saturday test. Pirates try to stay unbeaten in league play. Then, Kevin, on Tuesday this next week, DePaul hits the road for a second straight game playing at Villanova after going to St. John's on Saturday. And then a Wednesday four-game slate. Seton Hall at Butler, Creighton at Georgetown, Xavier at Marquette, St. John's at Providence, everybody's getting after everybody pretty early
2: let's go back to a uh, saturday georgetown at villanova okay. true old school high level big east game uh, georgetown's an interesting team uh, i've had a strange season already they lost some players to some discipline reasons back in december uh, mac mcclung did not play in a few games just around the opening of the big east season but when mac mcclung is playing and playing well the hoyas are very dangerous and i know he- you like the big guy, you're at Seven, very much. Oh, Omer, Yard Seven to me is as polished a big
1: guy as there may be in the country. Uh, once he can continue to bring his range out a little bit, and I think continue with his aggressive play in the low post, and I'm sure Patrick Ewing would agree with this one, I, I think Yurt Seven can be the best center in the country.
2: John, the other one I like is Wednesday, Xavier at Marquette. We've already talked about Xavier's experience, really physical nature. Well, th- that's quite a test for Marcus Howard, but Marcus Howard at home, well, we know Marcus. He can go for anything at home. So that's a really intriguing matchup to me as well. You know,
1: And the other issue that I want to bring up here, DePaul hitting the road. They're going to uh, uh, St. John's on Saturday, uh, and then uh, they will be playing at Villanova next week. But the guy that I really enjoy watching play is Paul Reed. Mm. Paul Reed has NBA potential all over him. He's so long with his arms, his reach, his ability to shoot, his ability to move in the low post. He's got really slick moves. He's very lithe. Can you believe I used that one? Wow. L-I-T-H-E. He's lithe. That's a good one. And and I, I I
2: really enjoy watching him play. He can be a special player. NBA scouts will tell you that he's the best prospect in the league. Uh, maybe that doesn't bode well for a long stay, in Chicago for Paul Reed, but uh, you know he's a guaranteed double-double. Uh, can block shots, and they really like his ability to defend multiple positions because of that length uh, that you spoke of. By the way, one more thing here: home
1: teams eight and six through the first couple of weeks. Road team went 3-1 and one on Tuesday and Wednesday of this past week.
2: So if you're a road team, you better get it in while you can. Yeah, that's living dangerously because home teams will start to win games. I can guarantee you that. That's college <laughs> basketball. It's also the Big
1: East. Our thanks to DePaul's Dave Lato, Marquette's Marcus Howard, and the NCAA's and Fox Sports' Andy Katz for joining us this week. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations from Providence, Butler, Creighton, and from around the league for all of their assistance in bringing us the sound that takes us right into inside these big moments on the floor. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, associate producer, Matt Morell, and thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter. We're always ready to talk some hoop. Use the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me. We'll be here again next week for this week in the Big East.
0: Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.